0: profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.
1: A lady um, came into my office and she said, Claire, you're never going to get clients sitting here. You need to get up. You need to start networking. You need to get yourself out on social media, start marketing yourself. And that's exactly what I did. And that first day that I was talking about there was the only day that I had no work.
0: Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter, founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. My guest today is Claire Stewart. Claire is the founder of Cartmill Stewart. She and her partner have dialed in their systems to run an efficient practice, including having gone paperless. Systems and workflows are a common pain point for practice owners, so I wanted to dig in. Please welcome Claire Stewart. Hi Claire, welcome to the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Geraldine, for having me. and to the people who have introduced us because obviously I'm in Northern Ireland and you're over in the States. So thank you so much for making that connection. Great to chat to you.
0: Yeah, and so that's thank you, Louise Brogan, who's a LinkedIn expert who put the two of us together and is the reason that we're here today having this conversation. So Claire, before we dive into our conversation, the question that I like to ask business owners is, what is the very first thing you did to make money?
1: OK, so a bit of a story here, actually. So whenever I was in primary seven, so that's um, age 10 or 11, I guess, I had this idea that I was going to try to make some money. And I emphasised the word try. So I went to the local supermarket, quite a luxury supermarket, Marks and & Spencer. And I purchased some ice cream um, and some Ingredients that I could make milkshake. So I made the most luxurious milkshakes, chocolate flavour, strawberry flavour, and I took those in to school oh, for about three to four months, um, once a week on a Friday. And I sold those to my peers in primary school. Now, the problem was that I had spent so much money on the ingredients to make them as luxurious as they could be that everybody wanted them. And I was always sold out. But I think I made a couple of pence. (laughs) Really not a very good success story. But, you know, looking back, that was my first experience of entrepreneurism. Um, which is incredible too. Um, my Both my parents were entrepreneurs as well. So it was always in my blood. So growing up, it was something that I always did consider. It never felt like much of a risk to me. And here I am today as a business owner myself.
0: I love it. I love it. So low profit margins on luxury milkshakes, it sounds like.
1: <laughs> Extremely low profit <laughs> margins. I'm not my ideal client right now, I have to say.
0: <laughs> uh, you might have a little bit to teach her about cost of goods sold. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. For sure.
0: And so now tell us where you are with Cartmell Stewart and a little bit about your firm.
1: So Cartmell Stewart are now in year six of trading. So we began late 2014 uh, with my business partner, Gilbert Cartmell. We are chartered accountants and we're based near Belfast in Northern Ireland. And that started out because I, well, I had trained as an accountant in practice um, back Uh, 13, 14 years ago, whenever I got my first trainee position and loved, loved practice. But I knew that as soon as I qualified as as a chartered accountant, that I would want to get out in the industry and start to work as a company accountant, um, for example, in a couple of different businesses, just just to get a good foundation for my qualification. So that's exactly what I did. Um, Whenever I was out working in one of the businesses, we got married and I got married to my husband. We then found out that I was expecting our first little baby. And at that stage, I thought I would love to be able to squeeze my full time hours into maybe four days a week. And so I approached my boss at that stage and he said, look, go off on maternity leave. Enjoy it. Um, Don't even think about work and we'll chat after you've had your baby. So that's exactly what I did. And about six to eight weeks after I had her, it was a little girl called Madison. Um I contacted my boss and had the conversation and at that stage he broke the bombshell to me that the company couldn't facilitate that request at all so I had to be there five days a week or um, basically there was no other option so at that time my hormones were kind of raging I just had a baby I was very emotional but something inside me uh, made me realize that this was my opportunity. And if I didn't take the opportunity to start my own business at that point, I may live to regret that. So I left employment um, with that company. And I started, I, I opened a very, very small practice. And at, at that time, it was called CES Accounting Services. And it was just down the corridor, actually, from where I'm sitting at the moment, Just, just a, a small room with one desk and a couple of chairs and zero clients. <laughs> and yeah, that first day I dropped Madison off at my mom. She was six months old and I thought, what have I done? I've left a well-paid job to sit here with no clients <laughs> and I had to pay rent. So straight away I was loss making. But a, a lady um, came into my office not long after that and she said, Claire, you're never going to get clients sitting here you need to get up you need to start networking you need to get yourself out on social media start marketing yourself build a brand both personally and for the company and just go out and explore the world to 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 meet your clients and that's exactly what I did and that first day that I was talking about there was the only day that I had no work Um, my mom as I said owned a business my dad owned a business so I thought you know what I'll start with those two Started to work on that, built it up to about 30 or 40 clients, and that was one year in. Got a really good business mentor during that time, actually. um, Really, really good business mentor who taught me about pricing my services, which was something that I knew the theory behind because I'd obviously done my training to be an accountant. But whenever it come to pricing my own services, I was incredibly bad at it. So I made a lot of mistakes and had a lot of legacy clients that were a struggle to Uh, move on to a proper fee if that makes sense and um, yeah so one year in a friend of mine actually Gilbert Cartmill who's now my business partner said to me Claire I was just thinking about this if I ever get run over by a bus would you step in and look after my clients and I thought yeah no problem I'll do that and we signed an agreement to that effect and the more we talked over Copious amounts of coffee. The more we thought, why don't we just go into p- business partnership here because this could make sense. So he had come from a, a financial director's position to start his own business ten years previous to me. I had come along with um my chartered qualification, etc. He was very into IT and software. I was very into sales and marketing, and so we saw this as a really good match, and that's where we started. Um, as I said, late 2014,
0: and here we are. So now it's you and Gilbert in a partnership. And how many clients do you have now?
1: We have at the last count approximately 300 clients. Um, So we've always been a, a great believer in not buying leads. And we grow organically. Most of that growth is either through referrals, which is how we grew at the start, um, and more recently in the last couple of years through social media and through, I, I speak at a lot of events, um, both to accountants and the business owners. And it's amazing how whenever you track a client, so if a new prospect comes into your office, I always try to think back to where that relationship began because it's all built on relationships. And it's amazing because I had a prospect in my office yesterday Whose dad came to one of our first Cartmel Stewart events about four to five years ago, and that relationship built with his dad, and then suddenly there was his son in my office talking about my account service. So we can link everything back to you know an activity that we have we have done to get new clients, and it's mostly events, social media, and a little bit of referral.
0: One of the things that we talked about earlier in our previous conversation that you're really good at in your firm is systematizing. And a lot of people mention having efficient systems as a pebble in their shoe. And I'm wondering if we can dive into talking about the systems that you've set up and you're kind of on the leading edge of using technology.
1: Systems have always been a huge part of what we do in our firm. Um, And I guess the advantage that we had was that, you know, we we were coming into the market and we could really choose how we decided to start our practice. We weren't inheriting something from someone else. It wasn't a firm that had been on the go for maybe 100 years and therefore we were were inheriting a lot of um, internal process issues or anything like that. So we really had a blank canvas to go on. And the mistakes that we had made, both in my own firm and in Gilbert's own firm individually, could really be um reassessed, and we could choose the best bits so that's exactly what we did. We started off um with zero, so I'm sure you're well aware there's zero in QuickBooks and a lot of other ones in the market and we decided that we would start off and become zero certified so that that's really been our main point of focus over the last number of years and it's really where systems started within our business. We started with zero and then we started to build different systems around that that would link with it. Um, as I said to you before, it's been very much of a journey. It's not something that we have totally fixed up to this point in time. So there's still a lot that we have to delve into in terms of getting processes and systems correct. But it's certainly it's something that we do pride ourselves on is system having systems but having humans behind those systems so we're incredibly passionate about making our lives easier and more importantly making the lives of our clients more efficient and and easier but being human and behind those systems so there has to be a human approach to everything and whenever I speak to clients Sometimes when I mention systems they say, "Oh, that scares me because what if I have to make a member of staff redundant or what if I don't need them for as many hours?" And I always say, "No, hang on. This is about making your staff that you have more efficient so that they can spend their time on more valuable things within your business." Um so yeah, we we started with one and we have grown. Almost everything now within our firm is has is run by a system. So for example, our onboarding system is a really good example. And we only not going to even say perfected this. We we've got it 90% right um over the last 18 months to two years. And we started with one part of the chain and we built that up until we had the full, you know, the full system that we wanted. So the, the whole important thing in this has been progress rather than perfection. We're never going to get things perfect. Like pricing is another one. We use a a system-based approach to our pricing um, and it's it's something that's just ongoing all the time it's something that we have to keep addressing because as you know there's so many systems out there so many um, apps in the market so it's always looking back to see is this doing exactly what we need it to do or is there something better out there that can that can help us in this journey so yeah we're we're incredibly fortunate to have been able to start that journey in the last number of years with systems and whenever I mean a lot of con- a lot of accountants contact me and say can we talk about these systems that you use and that you've implemented in your own firm and I always say yeah of course we can because it's only going to be good for both of us to, to talk things like this out so incredibly and um, blessed to have i guess had that opportunity to grow our systems within our within our business.
0: So, when you decide that you need a system improvement, like how do you even know at the beginning when you've got a system that needs improving? What are you noticing about the absence of the system?
1: Yeah, so for example, we one one of the systems internally that we've only just cracked for want of a better word is the system around deadline management managing staff's tasks, managing our own tasks. And I think we've tried to date maybe seven or eight. And we've 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 moved onto a new system and then realized, you know, we, we tested quite we tested a lot actually before we decide to move all of our client information onto it. But then there's just something that it falls down on. So we so we used a system called teamwork and that was excellent, but we found that we were spending so much time actually inputting the information into the system. Um we then found a system called Senta, which is working incredibly well for us.
0: Senta or Santa?
1: Senta, S-E-N-T-A. Okay. It's a UK based firm. They're not, they're not too old. They may be, I'm guessing six, seven years old. We actually did trial them a number of years ago and they weren't developed enough for us for what we needed. And we have just moved to them um, October, November time. And it's, it's really working incredibly well for us. um, Less user input, but more value at the other side as well. So we, we use that to manage all the deadlines for each of our staff members. There's five of us all together here. Um, all our compliance deadlines, all our mentoring, business strategy, all our business meetings are in there. And it just it runs itself now, but it's it, it's taken a lot of time to get it to that stage that we're at now.
0: Yeah, it's not just a plug and play thing where you plug it in and all of a sudden overnight it's up and running.
1: Absolutely not. And I think um, that's what pe- people often think that whenever they switch a system on that it's going to solve all their problems. We often find that whenever we switch a system on, we realize that a lot of the issues are actually Issues that we've created ourselves, so internal process issues. And whenever we try to map out a workflow, for example, so let's take a set of annual accounts, for example, all of the stages of that job, whenever we come to input it into the system, we often think, oh, now why do we do that? Is there a reason why we do it that way? Could we be doing it better? So it's this continual um, evolution of how we can do things better. And quite often it's our own internal issues and our mindset, especially that gets in the way. Mm. So systems will help. Yes. But a lot of it comes back to your core, your core business and what you do on the inside.
0: I'm curious about that part, right? Because there's the systems piece. That's the sort of outside, you know, outside thing you're bringing in. But if you have your own self-created hurdles I'm curious to know what some of those have been where you've gotten in your own way unintentionally and you're like, all of a sudden you're like, wait, why are we doing it this way? What what have some of those things been?
1: One of my business mentors, just to take it back, said to me, let me get this right. Um, We don't inherit bad clients. We create them. Mm. And it's been really interesting for me because a lot of the systems that we have created internally um have been around, for example, how we remind clients about deadlines when we approach them for information. So are we approaching our clients too late, for example, and then that's it's leaving it's leaving us under pressure, it's leaving them under pressure. So those types of things where we're we're now trying to bring it back to the core and thinking, right, if let's take a VAT return, so a tax return. Um, oh
0: is that VAT tax sales tax. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. Value added tax.
1: Sales tax. So we have now, through our new system, centre developed a far better workflow that we are actually telling people on the day that their VAT quarter ended, it's ended. Now you need to think about doing something. Previously, we were going to them 15 days after the quarter end. So we were actually creating issues that didn't need to be there. And then we were chasing up on information um, too late and leaving ourselves under pressure. So things that... Things that you just think, oh, well, it's just the way we've always done them and it works okay. But actually, let's go back to the drawing board and see if we can make this better from all aspects, from the client's point of view, from our point of view. Um, so that's just one example where we call it a Cartmel Stewartism. And there's so many Cartmel Stewartisms that just we need to just scrap them and go, right, what's the best way to do things? And systems have really driven us to Question everything that we do, why we do it a certain way, why tasks pass between different team members and you know maybe pass between too many different team members, for example, to, to use one example out of a lot.
0: For those of our listeners who are struggling with systems and they just know that their system is loaded with inefficiencies and perhaps redundancies mm-hmm. and maybe even gaps and or coming to things later than they should and then... The boat has left, they've missed the opportunity, the client, they can't, take, the client can't take advantage of the opportunity because it's too late and so on. For those of our listeners who are nodding their heads and going, yes, I have those challenges. What are some key bits of advice that you would pass along to them on the process of improving these things?
1: One of the things that I would pass along to them is to fix one thing at a time. So don't, don't try to fix everything overnight or over, over the next week or two weeks. Um, for example, what I just spoke about there with the VAT process, that was something that took us probably two and a half days, locked in a room. <laughs> Literally. You know, we had um sticky notes up on the wall with all the different steps in a in a workflow process and moving things around and thinking, no, hang on, that that's still not right. Book the time out in your in your diary and even look at one thing, you know, one day the next thing, the next day, over the course of maybe a couple of months and get it addressed that way. If there's too much, you won't do anything. So address one thing at a time. Whenever I spoke about the onboarding for clients, that was one of the first processes that we started to look at. And the reason for that is because it's so client facing. We realized a bit late, I guess, that we are no longer competing with the accountant down the road. We are not even competing with Other people in service industries, we are now competing against the service that people are receiving from massive companies. So, take the likes of Amazon, for example. Here in the UK, we can order a book today and it's delivered tomorrow to our door by Amazon. It's such a fast service, it's efficient, um, everything the customer needs it to be. And we suddenly realized if a client sees us today, historically, I would have said, Let's say five years ago, I would have met a client. I would have said, "I'll get that proposal to you in in a day's time or two days' time." Whenever they left, so much else needed done that I just thought, "I can't. I don't have time to do the proposal." So it sat maybe for a week. Straight away, that new prospect had a really bad experience because they were comparing me to being able to order a book today and have it delivered tomorrow, for example. So that's when we started to think, okay, this needs fixed. This is an issue. This is something that could deter new clients from coming to us because if they see an accountant 10 miles from here and they get that proposal through the through their email in a day's time, they're going to accept it because it's, it's been very pro- a very proactive process. So that, that, that's what um, focused our attention on that. So I, I would say to the listeners as well, Focus on those client facing things that need to be addressed that you know you, you don't want clients to be turned away because of your bad processes. So what can you fix? What can you concentrate on now? Um so so from that that was what, well, that was that was a number of years ago. That's the way we operated that proposals were sent out like, maybe a week later, it was a disaster. Because it was such a laborious task. Then we found a software called GoProposal. It enables us, it's like a menu-based pricing software, and it allows us to sit in front of the client. So I could be sitting in front of you now, sharing my screen with you, asking you questions like, what is your turnover for the year? I select the turnover on the software, and it starts to dictate the final fee. Um, They can sign up for their proposal right in the client meeting. That automatically signs up the engagement letter which kicks off our onboarding system. Um, so they, they can become a client while they're sat in the first very first meeting with us, and we could have them onboarded within a couple of days. And that experience, the feedback that we have got from our clients is normally, wow, I can't believe that this looks so good. It's so efficient. It's so transparent. Because typically accountants, um, the way we operated was if, if a new client saw me, one day and they saw Gilbert the next, there could be a slight difference in what we had quoted them because we didn't really have a menu or a price list on what we were offering. So we thought this has to change. This has to be completely transparent for the client. It has to be open. It has to be um, just very clear. And whenever we find the proposal software Go proposal, we thought this is perfect for us. And the feedback, as I say, has been incredible.
0: Well, this is all really interesting what you're saying because you're talking about. I mean, you're doing a 180 on the industry and no longer measuring your progress or your success by compared to how things have been done in the past. You're basically saying, let's stop using the past as a model for what we want to improve upon and let's look to businesses and industries that are driving innovation and shifting the way that consumers engage with companies and let's use that as a model and see if we can replicate the aspects of really forward-facing businesses and behave like they do which is like holy cow
1: yeah it's a totally different concept and it was it was one of our mentors that taught us that that stop looking to the competition because if you look to the competition they're maybe doing things which don't really fit Start looking to companies who are doing things incredibly well. Who focuses? Who focuses massively on customer experience? What do they do? So, in fact, um, about six months ago, you're going. You maybe laugh at this one. About six months ago, we heavily invested in a coffee machine. Um, and it sounds so simple, but I was giving a talk at an accountants event last week. Yeah, last week, and. They couldn't believe it because we we invested quite a lot of money in a bean-to-cup coffee machine. So our clients arrive through our door now and they're actually given a choice of coffee. They can have a herbal tea. They can have a regular tea. Why do we do that? Because a watery cup of instant coffee does not, it, it doesn't promote the sense of experience that we want our clients to experience. So we thought, no, let's take this back to does our client feel like the most important person on our premises? Because they should, because they're paying good fees, so they should be treated well. So sounds simple, but things like that, we, we are highly invested in because we think our clients need to feel special. Um, and it, it's only one example.
0: <laughs> I mean, you think about, I was having this pretend conversation with myself the other day, and as I sometimes do, and... You know, going to the accountant's office, and I go to a lot of accountant's offices, the, f- the first impression that you get, the first impression that I have get when I walk into accountant's offices is oftentimes a little bit worn and dated, furniture that's, you know, got flowers and daisies on it <laughs> that you're like, where did you pick that couch up? And then you walk into the office and you see the back of a monitor with two foot high stacks of papers and files everywhere and you see a little calculating machine with the little receipt tape on the roll totally um, and <laughs> and you kind of as a client you know what you're in for and you're like oh god this is going to be awful and it's kind of <laughs> like when you walk into you know like you walk into the I don't know if I should use this analogy I'm going to use it I might mute it afterwards but it's like you walk into the doctor's office <laughs> and the first thing you see is the stirrups and you're just yeah. like oh god, god get me out of here That's So it's not the experience that I want it's so true and it's like de rigueur for accountants offices to be, you know, especially the kind of one solo entrepreneurial type, especially the dude who's 16, has been doing it for 40 years and hasn't (laughs) bought new furniture in in at least that amount of time. If you try to find the equivalent in the marketplace in other industries, like you don't find that when you go to Starbucks, Starbucks puts a lot of attention into the field that you have when you're sitting there. And so back to your point, you know, what are some businesses that we really like, who are doing, which businesses are doing certain things really well? And how can the experience be customer focused
1: and positive as well? Because um, the the job that that sixty year old accountant is doing, as you've just spoken about, is absolutely a, a really good, like a good set of accounts, good tax advice. But there's just a dread when people arrive on the premises and they think, "Oh, this is just so, you know, laborious." It's such a laborious task. Whereas we want our offices to have a sense of fun. Um we want them to be bright and airy and yeah, the whole the whole coffee thing is just a very, very small piece of that. And whenever I speak on branding and personal branding and marketing, it's not the obvious thing. So while it's social media and it's newspaper articles and it's speaking at an event, it is all those things, but it's also, you know, what do they see when they come to your premises? Oh, they're served proper coffee. They get a really good experience when they're in the first um, client meeting because they can sign your proposal there and then there's there's no hopefully no negative um feelings towards coming to see us and if we can if we can fix and make that as good as it can be from the very first visit, then we're on to a winner. obviously, then we need to follow up with the service being good. But hopefully that comes a second nature to us.
0: The, the service being good is like a minimum viable product.
1: Of course it is. And that's why we call it customer experience now, because everybody provides customer service because it's it's a basic, it's a given now. And that, that's why we looked at how can we provide an experience. So whenever a client enters our premises, do they feel welcome? Um... Do they feel valued? Do they feel important? And if they don't, we need to fix that. It's not good, especially on a first visit.
0: Yeah, especially on a first visit. One thing I hear again and again is that business owners do not want to leave their CPAs because the CPA, or for you, charter accountant, has such a long history with people that they don't want to have to rebuild a new relationship with a new CPA. Making sure that early on when you have them, that you do everything to make it be a great experience so that not only do they stay, but then they go out and rave to their friends and be like, oh my God, I just switched accountants and it is awesome. And they tell their friends, you have to switch too. Yeah, I
1: totally agree. Um, We had a new client who came to us about a year ago and she came because every time she left her accountant's office, she was in tears. And I thought that should not happen. In two thousand and nineteen, it was back then. It should not happen. Um, and the amount of the amount of stories that we hear from 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 new clients who have been with someone else, the service is horrendous. And it in that in in this, you know, in two thousand and twenty, it should be positive. It doesn't have to be negative. If I go into a web designer's office, we have one just very close to here. It feels fresh. It feels young. It feels fun. And oftentimes I walk past this office and think that's how I want my clients to feel coming into this office is that it feels such a positive thing to be there. And um, we have clients now who <laughs> when they heard we got our all all singing, all dancing coffee machine, um, they just drop in for a coffee. And we absolutely love that. We are in the business of relationship building. Because this is potentially a lifetime relationship. As you said, people stick with their accountants. I think the average is about seven, eight years. So it's a long time and we need to invest in that relationship.
0: I love this. This has been such a great conversation. If people want to reach out to you to find out more about the systems that you've implemented and stuff like that, what's the best way for them to connect with you? I
1: would absolutely love people to reach out. So I'm here to help. If I can help, I will. Um, And as I said, we don't have everything perfect, but we were on that journey together. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. And I also have a little blog of sorts on Instagram and Twitter as well. So please feel free to get in touch. My Instagram handle is Claire Stewart FCA and my LinkedIn handle is Claire Stewart ACA. So hopefully you can touch base send me a little message or you can email me claire at cartmellstuart.co.uk.
0: Excellent. And we'll put the links to those in the show notes so that people didn't have to jot those down. They can grab them from the website. Claire, this has been so helpful and enjoyable. Thank you so much for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I feel like there's so much more I could share, but please do reach out and I'll help you whatever way I can.
0: Thank you, Claire, for coming on the podcast. Highlights for me in here were, number one, creating issues that didn't need to be there. And sometimes clients who behave badly, in quotes, do so or did so because they were set up that way. So Claire and her partner made themselves go back to the drawing board and make systems better from the client's point of view. And this tied in nicely with looking at businesses that do customer service really well and seeing what elements you can replicate. The other one was fix one thing at a time. If there's too much, you won't do anything. So many accountants complain of feeling like they are chasing their tail when it comes to making improvements. And it's because they're either trying to do too many things at once or fixing things out of order. And yes, there is a right order to fix things in. If you want to connect with Claire, you can find her on LinkedIn and on Instagram, where she is a force to be reckoned with. Listeners, I'm here to support you, and I can help you even in just 15 minutes. If you want some help with a challenge in your business, reach out. Book 15 minutes with me. It's my gift to you as a loyal listener and fan. Just go to SheThinksBigCoaching.com and click on the giant red Schedule Time with Me button. All right, everyone, that's it from me. See you next week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down a 40 Hour CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.